today I want to talk specifically about the importance of shaking it off. There's a scripture found in Acts chapter 28, verse 5, where the serpent bit, the snake bit, grabbed a hold of the apostle Paul's hand, and the apostle Paul shook it off. And it said he suffered no ill effect to it. One translation says he suffered no harm to it. In life, there are times where the enemy throws a curveball. He does something to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have had um, theft in your life? You've experienced someone's, you know, someone stole from you at some point in your life. Be honest. How many of you have had someone steal from you? You've been stolen from at some point, whether you're a kid, you had your kid's lunch mail or lunch stolen or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? At some point in your life, you've been stolen from. And today, what I'm sensing a couple weeks ago, what was leading into this and all throughout this week at Chapel, at Teen Challenge, um, at the men's event, it's all been leading into helping us to know how to stop the thief from stealing from us. How many would like to know how to do that today? Because we know that he's out there. Jesus made it clear in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Does it say, did Jesus say, my father comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Okay, I'm just being real simple because I think sometimes people get this confused. Because sometimes people have been bit by the snake in life and they're like, why? Why, God? Why? Why me? Why is this happening to me, God? And and they don't shake it off. And what I'm sensing in the spirit realm is like a couple weeks ago, the Lord gave me a vision while we were worshiping, just worshiping, and a vision I saw real clearly of his bride, the church, Shaking it off. Shaking it off. And what am I talking about when I'm talking about shaking it off? We know that we are redeemed from the curse of law. Amen? But there's cursed remnants all around us. And sometimes you got to get a belly full of being absolutely righteously angry. And if you're angry at someone, make sure you know who you're angry at. Amen? You know, focus your anger. If you're going to be angry, be angry at the right one. And I saw us as a church just shaking off, fed up with poverty, lack, debt, sickness. I mean, the list goes on and on. I could see the bride just being fed up and just shaking herself off like a dog. And that's really what I want to talk about today is you've got to get fed up. And rather than getting angry and saying, why? Why is this happening to me? God, why? We need to open our hearts and our minds to realize that God is not the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus made it so clear to you and I that he came to give us life and life more abundantly until it overflows. But it's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you have to admit All of our law enforcement people in this service, you have to admit that a a good criminal, I know it doesn't really fit together saying good criminal, but a good criminal is one who's not going to make himself or herself known to the community. Amen? They they just aren't going to do that. They're going to lie to you and be absolutely convincing the best they can that they're a good abiding citizen, but they run half the shady things in town. Because no good criminal is wanting to be recognized because then they'll get caught. And if we recognize who the thief is in life, then we can stop the thief 
Jesus said, if you know that the thief is coming, you're going to be aware. You're going to be watchful of the thief. But the thief has been doing everything he can do to cover up his identity and make it look like it was God who stole that baby. It was God that caused that car wreck. It was God. There are some well-meaning, good-hearted pastors that have preached demon doctrine from the pulpit at memorial services that have tried to bring comfort to people saying, God just needed another angel. How many have heard something like that before at some point in your life? And what happens to those people eventually that lost their baby, lost their spouse premature, whatever, what happens to those people? Are they really comforted? Or do they start to lack trust in the creator of the universe? Be honest, what happens? If you've been in those shoes and you've had the snake bite you, I mean, what happens? You're first thinking after hearing all these years and centuries of teaching that God is all sovereign, God's in control. Let me ask you a question. There is one place that God is in complete control. Where is it? Heaven. You guys are so smart. I love it. What's the crime rate in heaven? I'm going to help you out. What is it again? Zero. Zero. How many car accidents are in heaven? How many thieves are in heaven? How many times has people been stolen from in heaven? How many murders have taken place in heaven? Where is God in control? Now, why is it that we oftentimes assume that he's in control here on earth? Because it's been taught and believers have believed the lie. Whoa, I'm going to knock over some holy cows right now because there have been some religious beliefs for years that God is in complete control when it is absolutely a lie. God taught us through his son Jesus to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God knows, Jesus knows that God's will is not being perfectly performed. Why? Because God has delegated authority to you and me. And I'll get into this in the next couple weeks. But the thief is amazing at covering up and convincing you and I as believers that God is in control. That snake that bit you... God, why? Why is this happening to me? What have I done? All I did was went and got some wood to get some more wood for the party. I mean, I was just being innocent. I was minding my own business. And why is this happening? No, the apostle Paul shook it off. Say, shook it off. Look at your neighbor and tap him on the shoulder and say, shake it off. We have got to get angry with the Holy Ghost's help and not be passive or be deceived any longer, convinced that the enemy is a good father. He's a father of lies, is what he is. God cannot tell a lie, the Bible says. He cannot lie to us. Isn't that good news to know? That you can trust our God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You can trust him. You can love him. You can know that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never let you fail. Why? Because he is a good, 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 good father. He's a good father and he loves you. He sends his son to die for you just so you can have eternal life. 
And he is not going to chastise you by giving you cancer. He is not going to chastise you by causing a car wreck. He is not going to chastise you by causing your child to go home premature or whatever. The stories have been told for years. The lies have got to stop. How many of you have ever played this game where you just, you come on up, uh, you, you come up and you chum me up to a good buddy behind you. And there's all sorts of people all around you. And you guys remember this oldest trick in the book? And you go behind, and I want to this because he's a good friend of mine. But you hit him in the back of the head real hard. And then as soon as he looks at you, you point. It was her. Or it was her. Remember that old trick? You know what I'm talking about? And then they would turn back. And then as soon as they turned back, you'd hit him in the back of the head real hard. And they'd look at you, and you'd point. It was her. It was her. It was her. And uh, so then it would be like, okay, who did it? Who, who did it? Who, who really hit me in the back of the head? Any of you remember that game? It's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? And that's exactly what Satan has been doing for centuries upon centuries is he comes up behind believers. He hits them real hard in the back of the head. They turn around and he's pointing where? Right up at God. God did it. So then you turn around again and all of a sudden he hits you real hard again. And you turn around and he points up, God did it. And believers have been believing this lie for years. And the enemy is absolutely terrified that you're going to find out it was him. Because when you know the thief is coming to steal, kill, and destroy, you can put your foot down and you can resist him with your God-given authority. And you can take control over his life and begin to dominate and to reign in this life and you can stop the thief from stealing, killing, and destroying. How many know in Ephesians chapter 6, it says that we are to take up the shield of what? Faith that quenches just some of the fiery darts. All of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Are you guys hearing me today? Can you hear me? Are you awake here? Because it's time to wake up, church. It's time to be spiritually awake, awake. We have got to be sober-minded. We can't let the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. We've got to put our foot down. We cannot be passive about this any longer. There is a theology out there that's a grace-only theology. Grace-only. Grace-only. Grace that says that God is in control and he's done everything. Therefore, you have to do nothing. Is that biblical? It's not. My assignment to you this week is to read the book of Jude real slowly. Because Jude absolutely wrecks the whole concept of once saved, always saved. And he said, and he warned us that there is going to be a teaching out there that's grace only. So therefore, you'll be lazy. We are saved by faith through grace. Grace has done everything. He is in control but it takes faith in his grace. Therefore, faith is the answer that overcomes this world. It doesn't say grace overcomes this world. It says by faith we overcome this world. 
Grace only doctrine is in opposition of faith because it takes faith to please God and it takes faith to overcome this world. There are two things that grace himself cannot do for you. And grace is not a theology, by the way. His name is Jesus. And there are two things that grace cannot and will not do for you as a believer. Number one, he cannot resist the devil for you. And number two, he cannot receive for you. You have a responsibility to develop your faith in his grace. Therefore, we have to keep developing our faith in what he has already overcome for us. Therefore, we cannot be lazy in these last days. You know, let's take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Have anybody ever heard the let go and let God? He's in control. Well, what does it say here? It says, let go and let God? No. It says, fight, say it out loud, the good fight of faith. Let go. No. Says what? Lay hold. Lay hold. That is telling you you have a responsibility to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold. We have got to dominate this world and become like Jesus in this earth to act and to talk. Jesus said, you will do greater signs than I have done even. But most Christians, when the devil's picking on them, they will cry out and say, God, God, please get him off my back. I mean, he's picking on me. God, God. And nowhere in the New Testament does God tell you to pray to get rid of the devil. There's one scripture in Jude chapter 1, verse 9. One scripture where it's quoting Michael, the archangel. And he says, the Lord rebuke you, the angel says, the Lord rebuke you to the devil. But it does not say that we are to pray and ask God to get the devil off our back. The Bible tells us that we are to use our authority and to dominate and to reign in life as kings and to take control with him backing us. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 28. I got some kind of blank looks on faces out there, and I just need to make sure you all understand. This is not coming from Sean. This is coming from Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Whoa, stop right there. Because if you stopped right there, you would assume that Jesus has all authority, and he's in control. But notice the very next word and the very next scripture that gives a word of delegation. Go. Say that word out loud. Go. Who's got all authority now? When he is saying go, that means you go in my name. Go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That word based upon what translation you're reading out of, may say power, but in the Greek, 
it's actually the word authority. Now, we've got officers that attend this church, and we've got female officers, we've got male officers all over the city of Rochester. And let me say something. With all due respect, some of those officers are not bigger than the criminals, but their badge, say their badge, represents what? Authority. That means the city, the state, the government, our military, I don't care. They are going to back that officer. Therefore, there's greater that's with them than he that's in this world, you could say. Amen? They've got a badge that all they have to do when that big semi is coming and they want to stop traffic, all they have to do is put up their hand. Right, Sheriff? All they have to do is put up their hand and that truck driver is going to stop. Amen? That's all he has to do. That's all she has to do. They've got a badge that says, I've got power represented here. I may not be bigger than that semi, but I've got authority, and behind my authority is power representing this badge. Amen? That's what we are after today is we need to understand that the enemy has tangled with Satan. You know, the enemy has tangled. Let me put it this way. Jesus has tangled with Satan. And he's absolutely terrified, is he not? He's terrified of Jesus, the greater one that's in you than he that's in this world. So this morning I was reading Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. And I think we just need to see this because Satan used to have the keys to hell and death. But guess who stripped the keys away? Do y'all remember? Jesus. He stripped the keys right out of Satan's hands. And here is an angel who comes with one of the keys. And he comes with a chain. And he comes and he begins to bind up the devil of old. And the devil rears back and he growls and he begins to huff and puff and he tackles the angel and he overtakes the angel. Is anybody awake? Is that what really happens? <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that way at all. It doesn't happen that way. The angel has no problem just binding him up and locking him up. There's no big fight. There is no fight whatsoever because he's already been defeated. You know, anybody who has ever seen demons, let me put it this way, anybody who has had vision where the Lord has allowed people to see demons, guess what they look like? They look like little monkeys, but not very pretty. Satan has lost all of his beauty when he was thrown out of heaven. And let me tell you, Jesus said it best. I saw him fall like lightning. It was not like this great big fight in heaven going on, like a big battle between God. It was like, what? Pride? Iniquity has been found in you? You're out of here. And he fell like lightning. There was no fight. There was no contest between God and the devil. But the devil came along and he deceived Eve, didn't he? How did he do it? Do you remember the fruit? I don't like picking on the apple because the apple always gets the bad rap, you know. But he picked on her. And, and John, the apostle John says this, that the enemy's tactics, the evil one, convinces us through, number one, the pride or the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. Number two, the lust of the eyes. And number three, the pride of life. The pride of life. That's how he got Eve, and that's how he tried to get Jesus. And that's how he tries to get you and I. 
That's what he's after. He showed her the apple, and he said, you've got to taste this apple. It's an amazing apple. I mean, it's going to be ecstatic to the flesh. You've never had an experience like this. And let me tell you, he's great at marketing, too, because he took that bird's eye view and said, look at this apple. Woo! Look at this thing. I mean, you've got to try this apple. So it got her with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then he finished it off with saying, you'll be just like God. She was more like God before she bit into that puppy. But that's exactly how he got her. Through deception. He deceived her. And then Adam fell into it. But Adam knew better. And he went after Jesus the same way. And I won't go into the detail of that. But he did the same thing, didn't he? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. Guess which way he tries to trick us. The same three ways. One of the most powerful things you can do on earth is be humble. When you're getting lots of compliments and you're going to experience lots of success because the righteous will increase more and more, the Bible says. When you start experiencing lots of compliments and we don't back off on giving compliments, the body of Christ is supposed to edify to encourage one another. Amen? And Jesus even said these words to me, those who don't give compliments are full of pride. And what does God do with the pride? With proud, he what? Resist the proud. How do you get more grace? Humility. When you start getting lots of compliments, lots of encouragement, one of the most important things, when you start experiencing success in any way, shape, or form, one of the most important things you can do is get to your knees as fast as you can and say, God, I couldn't have done this without you. And you know what? If pride's still trying to there, you drop your face to the carpet. Is anybody out there? Are you hearing me? This is one of the techniques that we have to apply to resist the devil is through humility. When the enemy is trying to get us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and with the pride of life, we have got to get our face on the carpet as fast as possible and say, God, I can't take this next breath without you. I need your grace. Jesus didn't ever take any credit for any of his messages or any of the miracles that he did. He was constantly giving credit to his father. And if Jesus had to do it, then we've got to do it. Listen, if you get a good message today, it was God. If it's a bad message, it was Sean. Okay, it's that simple. I recognize God works through donkeys. And if God can work through donkeys, he can work through me. As long as I stay nice and humble, he will use me as a vessel of honor. One of the most powerful techniques that we have on earth to resist the devil is humility. God, I cannot do this without you. I need your grace. We have got to learn to shut the door on the devil. Doesn't Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it's 26 through 27, it says, be angry and sin not. Is it wrong to be angry? No, of course not. There's going to be moments in life where we're going to have anger. But what kind of anger is it? Is it godly anger or ungodly anger? You've got to ask yourself that question. And here's how you do it. When you're angry about something, maybe it's because you're losing an argument. Maybe it's because somebody mistreated you and you didn't get respect. Ask yourself the question, what am I afraid of? Because anger is rooted in fear. And if you can answer that question, what am I afraid of right now? I'm afraid of losing respect. Well, do you really need respect from man or woman or from God? Or, I don't feel very loved. He's not very loving to me. (laughs) 
Well, are you dependent on man or are you dependent on God? We've got to answer these questions and recognize, why am I angry? Because it says, be angry and sin not, nor give place to the devil, verse 27 says. So who has a right to give a place to the devil? It's us. And the Apostle Paul writes over and over, the other apostles, uh, writers, they keep addressing, sin not. So what happens, be angry and sin not, what happens in the next few moments determines on what kind of outcome we're going to get. Is it a godly anger or is it an ungodly anger? And if it's a godly anger, it's like, okay, you know what? This is wrong. What he just did to her was wrong. It was wrong, it was wrong, it was wrong. And a righteous anger rises up and you go and you do what? You get into your prayer closet. If it's something that was illegal, you contact authority. But you've got to use your righteous anger for godly purposes. You've got to get fed up. Any of you ever watch that movie, Facing the Giants? You know, remember that movie? Was it a great movie? I love that movie. It's one of my all-time favorites still. But there's a point in the movie where one of the guys is trying to get at the assistant coach. And I'm not saying what he was doing was right, but he said something that I think grabs my attention. And the coach was losing game after game, and he finally comes up and he corners this guy again, the assistant coach, and he says, when are you going to get a belly full of this? When are you going to get fed up? This is going down the hole. You are on a losing team. We got to get rid of this head coach. Kind of thing. And that's what he tried to do. But he said something that I think is wise, even though it wasn't going after God's purpose and plan in the movie. When are you going to get fed up with this? When are you going to put your foot down and say enough is enough? When are we going to recognize the thief who has come to steal, kill, and destroy rather than blaming it on God? Stay on God's side. I always stay on God's side. That's what humility does. You may not have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But if we say, God, I need your grace right now for revelation on this subject. I need your wisdom. God will freely give you wisdom. But if you're sitting there shaking your fist saying, look at the serpent, God. Why are you doing this to me? He's going to say, shake that puppy off. What? Shake it off. So then you shake it off, right? But he's trying to remind you, listen, I died on the cross so you could have your authority back in the earth. Listen, we know that the enemy is the God of this world, still. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan is the God of this world. Scripture after scripture in the New Testament refers to Satan as being the prince of this world. The apostle John says that the evil one is in control of this world. That is why we are not fully experiencing heaven here on earth yet. Is because there's too many people that believe that God is in control of this earth when he's not. He's not in control of this earth. He has put you, he has put the church in control of this earth. And he says, now you take up the sword of the faith. Now you take up the shield of faith. Now you put on the full armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You put this stuff on, the belt of truth. You, got, you shod your feet with the gospel of peace. You put on the garments of praise and the robe of righteousness. Listen, it's not what you deserve. It's what he has done for you because he's a good God. And when you quench all the fiery darts, of the wicked one, it's because you're using your shield of faith. Don't let that guard down. Keep building your faith every day in every way. 
Whether we're talking about longevity or we're talking about health and wholeness, don't let the devil convince you any longer, church, that it's God that put this sickness on you. It's God that put this cancer on you. It's God that took your baby home premature. It's God that caused that car wreck. You've got to wake up and say enough is enough and shake it off like a dog. You've got to shake it off in the remnants of the curse. You've got to shake it off and get fed up. When are we going to get a belly full of this stuff and say enough is enough and take up that shield of faith and quench those fiery darts of the wicked ones? Say now. Class, this is not hard. Faith is not hard. But faith must be developed because faith is how we receive from grace And faith is how we resist the devil. And we have got to be serious enough in this earth. And I'm not saying walk around serious like, you know, know, with a frown on your face, like the devil is going to come out of every corner. Don't get devil conscious all over again. Stay away from that. I'm not saying give him all the attention and all the glory and focus on him like the devil did this and devil did that. Sometimes we self-inflict, don't we? Just a bad choice. I mean, granted, we can blame the old cuss because he probably convinced us to do it in the first place. But the fact is, is we can't fall for those three things anymore. We've got to make sure that we don't fall into the temptations of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we're going to stay strong. Let me say this. I'm going to say this real slow. Because in Texas, it wasn't because we thought you were dumb is because we wanted to make a statement because I'm standing before a smart group of people and I'm going to say this really smart, slow because I want you to grab a hold of this because it will mean your protection for the rest of your life. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. Humility is your protection from deception. Meditate that. Humility is your protection from deception. Church, That is your strength. That is where the power lies, is in your humility, being quick to acknowledge, God, you're a good God. Boy, I'm getting totally off script in your service this time. First service is different. This one's even more fun. I'm enjoying this. Y'all came for the best service, I think. You know what? I think it is. I think the first people, they, the first person, first service, they just wanted to get home and watch the Vikings game, but the spiritual giants are here in this one. Amen? <laughs> You know what? I probably should wrap it up, though. I want to um, share. Let me see. Just keep believing with me. There's a couple things. I just want to kind of bring this to a closure. I just want to see how the Holy Spirit wants me to lead this. Let me put it this way, and we'll, get it, we'll dive back into this next week. Y'all come back. Will you give me another chance next week? Again, if I, if I didn't do a good job, it just know it was Sean this week. And if I did a good job, just know it was God this week, okay? But, uh, you know, I remember one time, there was, a, there was a time where Amy and I were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was going to college there, and Amy and I were doing everything we knew to do what was right. I mean, God had instructed us to go to a particular church. We were thrilled to be there. We were thrilled to be a part of it. We were just excited, ecstatic about it. We were just so happy. And we were doing you know, everything that we needed to do. We were tithing. Um, we were being obedient the best we knew to do. And Amy, on the way out of church that day, says, Sean, if we don't get a miracle this month, we're going to be in the red. You remember I said righteous anger is not a bad anger? Sometimes you have to recognize who is the thief to get him to stop stealing. And when she said that, I thought, man, 
I know in my heart we're doing what God has instructed us to do. And I know God is not trying to keep money or, you know, finances from us. I know God is for me. So what's going on? And all of a sudden my lightning mind, flash mind, just the lights turned on. And I was like, it's a thief. And I just had this Holy Ghost anger, this righteous anger rise up in my heart. And I started, and Amy and I are driving the car. I'm, I'm driving. She doesn't sit on my lap when we're driving. But she was sitting in the passenger seat. I'm driving the car. And she's over there. She's telling me that, you know, we just, you know, we don't have a miracle. We're going to be in the red. We need to get in the black this month. And so I just have this Holy Ghost anger that rises up. And I just shout and I say, Satan. I bind you from my finances and I command you to loose my finances right now. And I went on and I tore into that devil. And Amy's eyes were over there, real big, getting real big, because she's never heard this sweet little voice and they'll get growling like a bear. But I was Holy Ghost anger and it just a righteous anger barreled out of me. And all she could sit there and do is say, amen, amen. But I went on and on and I just laid into that devil. And I'll tell you what, we have never, ever, ever experienced the red since we've always been in the black. Because I finally got fed up with it and realized that it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But my God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And when I do what he calls me to do, he said, I'll have the milk, I'll eat the honey, I'll eat the good of the land, and I will live a life of life and life more abundantly when I follow Jesus. Where he guides, he provides. And he's a good father and all good things, I know this is simple, but that's how Jesus always taught. He kept it simple. Anything good that happens to you is God. Anything bad that happens to you is the devil. And we need to be aware of his nasty little tricks of him coming behind and hitting us in the back of our head. And I'll close with this story of humility because I want you to understand that humility is getting on God's side and saying what God says doing what God says to do. And we'll get more into this next week, but I want you to understand that it takes humility to stay on God's side rather than saying, God, why? Why are you doing this to me? He's just saying, you shake that thing off. I've given you my authority. Use my authority. And I'll give you four witnesses next week on where God said in his word, the authority has been given to you. Are you ready to receive that next week? And I'll close with this story. There was a minister a number of years ago that was a major soul winner. He was rising up, and he had such a unique anointing on his life that was such a creative anointing that you could have, he could get, you know, people, somebody could come up before him, and they could give an altar call, and there might be some response. Some people get saved. But when he stood up, he would give an altar invitation for people to accept Christ and the altars would just fill up even after somebody had already given invitation for people to give their lives to Jesus. It would just pack out. There was such a unique anointing on his life that people were marveling about the powerful anointing, this gift that was on this young minister's life. And one day after he had done just that and the altars filled up again after somebody had already given an invitation, and the altar's just packed out with salvations. He was sitting at a table and a guy was bragging on him saying, man, you are so powerful. You are so anointed. You are 
so gifted. This is amazing. And he went on and on. And this young minister grabbed the guy by the tie, pulled him close to him, and he said these words, if I can't get them, nobody can. And Kenneth Hagin Sr. happened to be standing there who's gone home to be with the Lord. And the Holy Ghost spoke to Kenneth Hagin Sr. and said, watch, this young minister will not even be heard about or recognized. His ministry will go downhill from here on out. And sure enough, in one and a half years, that man was not even known, not even recognized. His ministry went downhill. What is Satan after? Constantly trying to give Jesus credit, constantly trying to give you and I credit, yet Jesus wouldn't even take credit for any of his messages or any miracles. And if Jesus didn't, then neither should we. Any good thing that comes of us is because of him. Amen? You guys have been wonderful to speak to today. Would you please just take a moment and bow your head and close your eyes, and we'll close up. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the good ground. I know these are good people, and I know that you love them. Thank you for bringing truth to us so the eyes of our understanding can be opened to know the truth. Who is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And to recognize our good Father. You are our good Father, and we appreciate you from the depths of our heart today. Thank you for helping us to become the soldiers in the body of Christ that we are called and destined to become. Lord, not another day will we be passive or be deceived. We will make humility our greatest strength, looking to you as the author and finisher of our strength and of our faith. Lord, we recognize that all good things come from you. We appreciate you from the very depths of our heart and for allowing us to become more like Jesus, to walk in a level of humility and grace and favor and truth and allowing us to become kings and priests here on the earth to reign and to rule with you but without you we can do nothing and we just want to say thank you today for caring about us giving us your presence and bringing us your truth in Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, it would be my honor and my privilege to introduce you to my very best friend, and his name is Jesus. Do you know him today? It's not good enough to know about him. We've got to know him personally. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? If your heart stopped beating, do you know for sure you're at peace with God? If you don't, the Bible says today is your day for salvation. Don't be passive about this. This is vital. Don't gamble. Don't gamble with eternity. Life and life more abundantly is too important to the Lord Jesus. He paid the price for you. He wants you to accept it. It's a free gift for you. It wasn't free for him. It cost him everything. But it is free for you. But you need to receive it by faith today. So would you do that and allow me the honor to pray a prayer over you, to pray a blessing over you. If you've never made the decision to accept Christ or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, I bring you great news today in Romans 10, 13. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done right or wrong, sir. It doesn't matter, ma'am. 
All that matters is what Jesus Christ has done for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made the decision to accept Christ or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, all over this auditorium, would you slip up your hand all over this room right now? Just acknowledge, and I want to accept Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. I want you to pray for me, Pastor. I appreciate your honesty, your courage. I know it takes courage to do that. You can put your hands down. Anyone else saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to accept Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Just a moment longer. Anyone else? Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Okay, let's do this. I don't want to miss one heartbeat right now. So I want, to, I want us all to put a hand on a heart. Those that are joining us online, we want you to pray this prayer with us as we call on the name of the Lord together. With those who are making that decision, we believe today is your day for a miracle. So let's call on his name together. Let's pray this prayer out loud. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name. Hey, say this with me. Satan, I denounce you. I will not serve you. I will not obey you. I will be disobedient to you and I will obey. I will be obedient to God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap, would you? Let them know how much you love them today. Appreciate them.